Well, well, well. Look who finally decided to come back to work. Okay. I was sick. I had COVID. How old school is that of me? I'm feeling way better, by the way, though. Thanks for asking. Thanks for leading with that. And so that was COVID, but I heard a rumour that you're actually going on holiday in a few days anyway. Look, we don't need to talk about is, it. Is that right? <laughs> Just me here by myself. Unbelievable. All the Taylor Swift news that is passing our listeners by because you cannot show up to work. You talked about it when I wasn't even here. I've never been prouder. I've never been prouder. <laughs> Actually, I did see a story that has made me think of you as well because a husband in the US has created a makeshift swear jar where every time his wife mentions Taylor Swift or also Travis Kelsey, she has to put 25 cents in that jar. So maybe we need something similar on this podcast for you, even though you're not here. We might need to go a little bit lower than 25 cents, uh, but I <laughs> reckon I could... <laughs> I thought that was a bargain. If anyone brings her up, my antenna are ding, 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 and I will source them out in the office. I'm obsessed, especially because he was in Argentina to watch her show, and the content is just um, there. But you know what? We could do it if you want. No, no, we're not. We don't have enough money for you to fill this Taylor Swift swear jar. But yes, we'll need a lot more money before we can get you to the Eras Tour. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Glad you're back. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. National Act and New Zealand First all campaigned on making huge cuts to our public service staff levels before they've even formally formed a government. Are we starting to see those come to life? What on earth is going on in Iceland? We speak to a volcanologist about the looming eruption. How do you prepare for a whale stranding? You have a dress rehearsal. We're chatting to the team doing just that. And Laser Kiwi has some competition. We'll tell you all about Laser Loom taking Minnesota by storm. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. The cost of living is biting deep and Christmas is fast approaching. But if you're a public servant, you're probably also worried about whether or not your job is about to go. National Act and New Zealand First all talked about cutting wasteful spending and government national calling the system a bloated bureaucracy. Even Labour wanted to trim costs by 1% or 2%, while ACT wants to see 15,000 state sector jobs cut and National has a target of an extra 6.5% reduction in spending. It's a lot of numbers, uh, but please keep with me. It's also important to note that there are guarantees some services won't be touched at all, such as policing and healthcare. Now, Alex Davies is the Assistant National Secretary from the Public Service Association. She's with us now to talk all about this. Kia ora. Kia ora. Alex, what are your members telling you about how they're feeling in this limbo time? I mean, everyone keeps talking about, you know, this is before Christmas, a terrible time for anyone to have job insecurity. I think it's pretty unsurprising that our members are feeling fairly anxious at the moment, that they've had a pretty long run up with some pretty intense rhetoric around their jobs, around their services they provide, around a whole range of things that are very important to them. Um, so there's quite, quite a strong level of anxiety. And it's probably worth noting as well that you're talking about a workforce that has, over the last couple of years, given that all responding to COVID, protecting people from um, the impacts or the economic kind of turbulence that is ongoing, I would say, and people that have been reacting to some increasingly intense weather events and to have now, right before Christmas, this level of anxiety hanging over them is pretty, is pretty distressing, really. And, and sometimes it feels like an attitude is those lot in Wellington, isn't it? 
are we looking at job cuts in just Wellington or can you maybe explain who we're talking about when we talk about these public servants? Yeah, I mean, there are public servants right across the country and people do seem to have this image of kind of people in offices in Wellington. There is no one um, kind of listening or there's no public that doesn't interact with and receive support from the public. So it's like maintaining our roads is public service. That image of kind of the Wellington office worker is not not the majority of the workforce at all. Do we know uh, how many individuals we're expecting to lose their jobs and what areas in? Mm-hmm. I have seen different rhetoric around numbers, but the scale of numbers that I have heard uh, ACT or, or National talk about um, would would not be achievable with small cuts. So stuff uh, was leaked in email which showed that MB's already looking at the cuts and changes that are going to happen there. Do we know or do you know of any other departments that you'd be able to tell us about? I mean, we know uh, that across the board, different departments and different agencies are sitting down and going, what happens if and how will we respond to? And can we keep a hold of this really important part and if we had to cut, where would we would hurt services the least? Like we know that people are trying to work that out now. We know that there are a range of agencies cutting things like um, I think Envy talked about support for a Christmas function. And to be, I mean, you're talking about twenty twenty five dollars per person to get people together after what is universally a pretty difficult year, following a couple of difficult years. We know that those are being cut across quite a few different agencies. Would you be able to tell us which agencies? It's widespread. It's it's pretty widespread. Do you think we're going to start seeing more ministry leaks in terms of those plans and those potential changes that they're staring down? I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. When you're talking about that scale of change, I don't think that can be done that quietly. Alex Davies from the Public Service Association. Kia ora and thank you for your time. Kia ora. A US state is currently taking suggestions for a new flag. We'll get to those later because some of them are, oh boy, 10 out of 10, just absolute doozies. And while our 2016 flag referendum didn't go great guns, I think there's surely a few of us that didn't get to vote. I certainly didn't. I was living overseas at the time. So, hey, you know what? We're going to give us all another chance to vote. We want to know, do you like the New Zealand flag? Do not rerun this. I we spent so much money on the first one. Get amongst our all-time favourite, a cult Instagram classic of Newsable. We'll have a poll up there. Chuck us a follow while you're there to never miss out on any other banger polls, of course. Just search Newsable NZ. And if you've got strong flag feelings, remember, you can always flick us an email at newsable.stuff.co.nz. Home to the Instagram-famous Blue Lagoon, the Icelandic town of Grindavik. Apologies if I pronounce it incorrectly in my Icelandic. It's currently gaining attention for a much more terrifying reason. Now, the town's entire population, that's some 3,000 residents, have been evacuated due to the rising threat of a volcanic eruption triggered by a series of earthquakes over the last few days. So to hopefully explain what's going on, we're joined now by Ben Kennedy, a professor of volcanology at the University of Canterbury. Ben, what a title. Kia ora, welcome to Newsable. Kia ora. Ben, how can earthquakes increase the risk of a volcanic eruption? Or is it the other way around? Do volcanic eruptions increase the risk of earthquakes? So you can have different types of earthquakes. You can have earthquakes that are unrelated to volcanoes, and you can have earthquakes that are actually caused by the volcanoes. In the case of this series of earthquakes, these more than a thousand earthquakes that have been going on, these are almost certainly caused by the volcano. So there is magma 
under the ground and it's trying to get to the surface and it's breaking rocks and it's that breaking of the rocks as the magma tries to get to the surface that's causing those earthquakes. And how guaranteed is this eruption to happen or is everyone just being overcautious by this mass evacuation? Well, you never know anything 100%, um, but there has been a couple of eruptions in the area in the last couple of years. The pattern of earthquakes is very similar to those two other eruptions. So um, the people monitoring the area, the Icelanders, are pretty confident that magma is working its way to the surface. And do we already have an indication then, should there be an eruption, how big it would be? So you can look at how much the ground is moving. So the ground has actually been inflating as magma was accumulating a few kilometers down. And by the size of that bulge, you can kind of get an idea of how much magma there is there. I think they think it'll be a little bit bigger than the two previous eruptions that have been in the area, um, but comparable in size on the global scale. And if the eruption does happen, are we going to see an impact throughout Europe, maybe even here? I don't know. I just remember there was that one back in 2010 where an ash cloud kept planes grounded for weeks. So, yeah, these two previous eruptions that happened in the area, so they were just very local effects. So they didn't affect anyone um, at all. Even the locals in Iceland weren't really affected. However, if it does hit water, then you can start generating ash. But I think I, w- I would be surprised if it was on the scale of the Eyjafjallajökull eruption, which was the one that caused all the havoc. Come on, props for that. Yeah, yeah wow. You wow. smashed that pronunciation. Again. Well done. <laughs> you know, I know a country that has earthquakes and has volcanoes. Uh, we're actually living in it right now. Are we quite different or similar to how volcanoes work in Iceland? From a volcanologist's point of view, I would say we're quite different, but probably from a kind of member of the public's point of view, where you've got magma coming out of the ground and volcanoes erupting, we're not that different. Same, same. Um, (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand has the potential to create lots of different types of eruption, and so does Iceland, to be honest. Anything's possible, really, at at both locations. Something we can uh, watch over the coming days to see what is going to happen. That's Ben Kennedy, a professor of volcanology at the University of Canterbury. Thanks for joining us. You're up. Thank you. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. Laser <laughs> <laughs> Kiwi might not have succeeded in becoming New Zealand's new flag, but he or she has inspired the people of Minnesota, who are currently searching for a new flag of their own. Stay tuned for the chat on Laser Loon. And if you're liking what you're hearing and you never want to miss a bizarre yarn like this one, give us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. 
A stranding of seven pilot whales on Nelson's Rabbit Island over the weekend had locals running down to the shoreline to help. But thankfully, the whales were in fact inflatable dummies being used as part of a mock stranding so medics led by Project Jonah could practice their skills to be better prepared for whale strandings in the future. To talk this over some more, we're joined by Project Jonah's communications manager, Louisa Hawkes. Louisa, thank you for coming on the podcast. Now, it sounds like these were pretty believable uh, inflatables if it had people from Nelson running down to help. We do our very best to give our volunteers the most life-life experience they can. So our inflatables are life-size and we fill them with water so they become life-weight. Uh, so they're not pull toys and they're not things that people can just push over. We're talking anywhere between 200 kilos to two tonnes of animal. And can you talk to us a little bit about what happens in these mock strandings, getting an inflatable to refloat? Is it? Well, you've just said you fill them up with water, but is it a little bit easier than the real thing? <laughs> um, so this was our very first mock mass stranding exercise. We won, oh, wow. We run one-day training courses around the country for people to learn how to help rescue whales. We wanted to take it one step further and make it more lifelike in a, a mass stranding situation. So with our seven animals on the beach, we invited our local volunteers who had done the training down to experience what it was like turning up to a real life stranding and we decided to launch this event in Nelson uh, because of its proximity to Farewell Spit. Is there like a textbook ideal scenario in terms of number of volunteers, number of expert volunteers? Do you know what? Every stranding is different, different species of whales. So we've got 44 different species of whales in New Zealand. So we never know what kind we're going to deal with. We never know the weather conditions, the beach conditions, what dock staff are going to be there, what volunteers we have available. So while we have a dream ideal in our head, uh, we always have to be agile to work with what we've got, who we've got and where we've got it. I mean, ideal, you'd love three to four people per pilot whale and a cloudy day and an incoming tide. But um, I have... Okay, I, I think you're asking a bit much <laughs> there, Louisa. Yeah, ideal is not something that we often work with, but yeah, we respond to what we get. And do you think practices are going to make for more successful uh, refloats? Because obviously we're heading into summer. Do more whale trainings happen over summer? And how may this help uh, us get more whales back to where they need to be in the water? Absolutely. So when we're looking at the um, data for trends and strandings, we seem to have more whales closer to shore over our summer months. And so we tend to have more of those mass strandings occur. Um, And so that's why we thought this is great timing to get people confident in these skills so that if and when it happens, um, they're ready to go. I mean, here in New Zealand, we have 300 whales stranding on our shores every year. And a lot of those are just ones or twos or small pods, but we do Um, unfortunately get those really large pods of anywhere from 50 to 100 to a couple of hundred whales. And so if we can get our resources ready to go and feeling confident and people engaged, then it's a better chance for the whales. Amazing stuff. That is Project Jonas Communications Manager, Louisa Hawkes. Thank you so much for your time. Now, Laser Kiwi was arguably the best thing to come out of that ill-fated flag referendum back in 2016. The hardest pivot if I've ever heard one, but yes, absolutely. That was a source of national pride. Wasn't it just? And now, Laser Kiwi has actually got some competition courtesy of one Laser Loon. What did you just call me? <laughs> What's a loon? What? And why does it want to come after the laser kiwi? It's not an insult. Let's calm down and I'll start from the beginning. So the US state of Minnesota is looking for a new flag, much like we were a couple of years ago. And everyone has been invited to make a submission on what that flag should look like. And unsurprisingly, when you ask people to write something on a flag, it's led to some pretty unusual designs. I'm starting to guess where you're going with yes. this. Yes. So Minnesota's official bird is 
is the loon, which is essentially okay. just a duck. It's just a fancy name for a duck. And one design has reimagined the duck with some lasers shooting out of its eyes. I have just looked it up. Yeah. And it has red eyes. So actually the laser loon is a little bit more... Uh, it makes a lot more sense than laser kiwi, but at the same time, we had laser kiwi first, so someone's just clearly stealing our idea. I mean, the big difference between the laser loon flag and our flag is our flag looked like it was kind of done by a six-year-old on Microsoft Paint. <laughs> I'd say that laser loon is actually, someone's put a little bit of thought into it, even if it's still... If you created laser kiwi, I apologise for Jesus behaviour just now. <laughs> well, and you're like this. One person's actually just submitted a picture of their dog <laughs> as a potential <laughs> option for the flag. Yes. Just a JPEG of their dog. Upload into... Yes. <laughs> So the, the state's um, proper flag commission, they will now pare down the number of designs to, I think it's about five before it goes to a public vote. So I, I don't actually have high hopes of Laser Loon or the dog making it through to the final selection. I do have everything crossed for the dog winning, though. <laughs> Imagine. Please, let's hope Minnesota has a sense of humour. That is Newsable for today. I'm Jessica McCarthy. And I'm Imogen Wells. We'll catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.